What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. Jocelyn, I'm so excited for this episode because tell the people why we're so excited for this episode. I can't even say it. Boom, 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 boom. You know, my ace is one. We are 2023 champions. Wagwan. Somebody's going to hurt me for saying that. But anyway, listen, I got all my Asians. My Asia's uh, jersey on right now, 22 MVP, because you know she was the real MVP, baby. So, yes, I'm excited. We are here to talk about it quickly because Sam won't let me make it the whole episode. (laughs) No, because we have a lot to talk about, but we're going to start by talking about the Aces. That is our highlight of the week. The season is finally over. The Aces have been crowned the 2023 WNBA champions. So let's get into it. We already talked about games one through three. So game four, we came into it already knowing that Chelsea Gray was going to be out. We know that she had suffered an injury at the tail end of game three. And then we found out the next day, what was that? The game was on Sunday. So on Monday, we found out that Kia was also not going to be playing. And so that was two starters down going into game four. So before we get into the game, like, how are you feeling going into game four? I was a little nervous. I'm not going to hold you. You know, like we talked about how the secret is a thing of that I've been trying to uphold and make a part of my everyday mantra. But I was scared. I'm not going to hold. I was very nervous. And. I was so happy that they found a way to pull it out. But going into this game, nerves were super high for me. I'm not even going to lie about it. You know, to be honest, I knew they could do it. And I did have to keep reassuring myself that they could win. But I was very much so concerned. And I'll just be honest about it. I knew they could do it. I was just concerned. I had butterflies and I wasn't even playing. So that's how I felt going in. I'm like, kid too, what do you mean? So, you know, we already knew that Kelsey was probably going to end up moving to the one and uh, they were going to end up bringing Alicia Clark off of that bench and starting her. So we knew that was going to happen. It was cool to see the actual changes that Becky did decide to make. Wasn't everything that we talked about, but it definitely worked because we won. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I found it a sort of a special game for because when you have so when you utilize such a short bench and then you have two key players that are now going to be out, she, yeah. Becky Hammond really had to make a lot of adjustments. And um, she had to make adjustments that she had never done before. She had to use players that she had not utilized in gameplay a lot. Um, and so I think a lot of the nervousness from a fan perspective was just like not knowing how to anticipate how everything was going to turn out. Like, Everybody knew the Aces had the capacity to win, but I think when you have this uncharted territory that you're going into in a a game-winning situation, Mm -hmm. um, it really was nerve-wracking, you know, and and equally as nerve-wracking, I'm sure, for the players who even Asia was saying, like, she woke up, you know, feeling like she was going to throw up because she was just that level of nervous energy was just inside of her. Um, and so we talked about a couple things going into game um, four, like what we anticipated from the last episode. And then we talked even more on our live on Instagram during game time. 
the types of things that we anticipated. And I think that Becky really showed how stellar of a coach she is. Um, one of the things that I had mentioned was that when you insert a player like Alicia Clark and then on top of that, insert a player like Kayla George, who mm. both like to shoot from the perimeter, we talked about how their offense was going to be drawing the defense away from the paint, which was just going to give way for Asia to be down low and have space. It was going to leave room for Jackie and Kelsey, who like to run you know, down the paint, slash, really get in there and do what they do. And we saw that from the first possession, how they were able to draw that defense out and really leave that paint open for those players that like to penetrate to do what they do. And that was the, the crooks of their game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because they talked about how they had a whole different defensive scheme on the other end of the floor that they had never tried before. And honestly, that Becky had made up practice, you know, a day or two before game four and how she was like, this is what we about to do. We all came as a team and decided that this is what we going to do. And she even said in the pregame presser, this is the first time we doing it, but this is also the first time New York is seeing it. So <laughs> we got to go out and be confident because. If we don't know, then they don't know either. So we just don't go out and execute. And we saw that even though they struggled a lot in the beginning, I think it was more so having a new lineup and knowing how to immerse yourself in the the game. But once they got their rhythm going, they were almost impossible to stop. They were. And honestly, we can't deny that for a good amount of the first, well, all the first half, we were down, you know, so... It was really nervous. We were down, I believe, what was it, by, was it nine by half? I think it was yeah. like 30 mm-hmm. to 39. 10 to 30. after the first quarter, nine right. after the halftime. Right. So luckily, I think there's a testament to the Aces coming out hot after half, you know, after the half, whether they're up or down. A lot of the times, I think even in the earlier season, I felt like their third quarter was kind of like their weakest, but I think closer to the end, of the, of the season, the regular season and postseason, third quarters became like their adrenaline rush. It, it Like they either they got a shot or something like uh, our girl Sabs did at halftime to be able to walk or whatever, just put some pep in their steps because they came out booming and they won third and fourth quarter because really, honestly, Sam, it's not how you start the game. It's how you freaking finish it because that decides when that buzzer goes off and the clock is zero, zero, zero. If you're not the winner that has the most points, then you're lost. So I love that they found a way to pull it together. And by God, they did. Kayla George was shooting the lights out. I mean, she was really just shooting. <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> I was so proud of her because she honestly got in there first time, first time starter of the whole entire postseason. And she did what she needed to do. I think uh, Becky, but definitely told her, "Hey, listen, I feel like you're gonna you're gonna make these shots, so take them." And they were leaving her wide, completely wide open because what, like you said, Sam, Becky threw a whole bunch of different things at them. They didn't know what was going to happen. They also wanted to see if Kayla George could shoot from out there and actually hit it. And she made the ones that counted. She didn't make them all, but she made the ones that counted, and she was a great factor to why the team won. I mean, it was really a group effort. It got me a little nervous because it did come down to the wire, people. It was a one-point game. (laughs) 
70 to 79. Uh, I'm sorry, 70, uh, 70 to 69 was the ending score. And I was up in arms the whole time. So much so that even our girl Sabrina got sick in the fourth quarter. Um, a lot of puke, <laughs> allegedly. Don't know what was, what was up with that, but that's what happened. And at the end of it, we won. I think that that uh, play that Sandy had drew up, it was definitely for uh, Stewie, but Stewie didn't really have a great game. And she was shooting. It wasn't like she wasn't creating her shot. She was definitely shooting. It just wasn't falling for her. And that last that last play that they drew up was for her to, to, to make something happen, which would have put them up at the buzzer by one point. But it, it was just great stand-up stand of uh, the defense from Alicia Clark and gang because she could not get it. So she passed it on over to Benajah Laney. Laney didn't have nothing. She passed it over to the corner to uh, Cordy Vandersloot, who actually had a great game shooting, and she aired it. Sent it airmail right into actually uh, JJ's hands, who was going crazy on rebounds. I think she ended the game with like 11 rebounds that game uh, on mm-hmm. in the finals, uh, final game four. But uh, she was able to catch it, shot it, but it was after the buzzer and she didn't make it. So that would have been into, you know, that would have been game five. But no, it just wasn't in the cards. It wasn't in the cards for the Liberty because it was all about my aces. I'm so proud of them. And who who got the MVP? No other than Asia. And I'm so proud of all of those ladies. They worked hard. They did what they had to do. I know we're not going to spend much time on this. So that's my last bit on it. But I am elated. Been so happy since. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things in that last play, you know, there's been a lot of talk on whether that play was actually drawn up for Stewie or not, or who actually was supposed to get the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in that moment, it was the defense of the Aces that really sealed the deal. And it goes back to, well, it's new defense for us, but it's also new defense for y'all, you know? So they couldn't even, they as in New York, couldn't even anticipate what the Aces might do defensively because the entire game, they'd had a totally different defensive uh, routine mm-hmm. than what we had seen just by nature of them losing two of their starters, you know? Shout out to Kayla George. One of the things that Becky had constantly said to Kayla George was anytime you're in the game, shoot the three. Like, you like to shoot it. We know that any player that likes to shoot the three needs to see it go in. You know, and I think a lot of times throughout the season, Kayla George was getting nervous because if the ball wasn't going in, you know, when you're a bench player and you don't play that many minutes, if your shot's not going in, you're always fearful. Like, is this going to be my last shot? Is the coach going to bench me? You know, so this was her opportunity to shine. And she was shooting and shooting and shooting. And Becky kept instilling that um, that fire in her and just saying, I believe in you. Keep shooting. Keep going. It's going to go in. It's going to go in. And eventually it did go in. She ended up three for 10 from the three. Yeah. Finish with finishing double digits. So mm-hmm. we can't even be mad at that. She points. gave all that she could. And we definitely appreciated seeing her out there on the court. Also, shout out to Sydney Colson. Cindy Colson played 14 minutes and made it tremendously hard for Sabrina to get anything going. Sabrina did hit a couple threes, so I can't be mad at that. But Cindy Colson made it extremely difficult for her, especially down the stretch when they were trying to close it out, when they finally gained the lead. It, it was like a light switch went off for her. And we've seen it before with Sydney Colson. 
And Becky even joked that, you know, one thing I'm going to get from Sid is I'm going to get some defense and I'm going to get some fouls. And Absolutely. what did she do? She got a lot of defense and she got five fouls in 14 minutes, but she got the job done. <laughs> and what did Sid say? I didn't foul out, though. <laughs> but I didn't foul out, so that's what matters. <laughs> and she had a great play. She had that pump fake drive to the uh, to the basket with the floater. It was beautiful. And that's all I needed from Sid. That's Alicia Clark. We can't forget Behind so the back, good looks down there. It helped her to draw that foul. It was awesome. She was putting in work and mostly on defenses, which is exactly what we needed because they held uh, Sabrina. She was what three from set, three for seven from the three point line, and she ended the uh, ended the the game with thirteen points. I think that's a good game. That's I think that's a good shutdown. She didn't go shooting the lights out on us. Uh, she made most of her shots. But uh, most of her three-point shots, at least. But, you know, like, she was still held down to 13 and also very nervous the whole time. But like we said, she doesn't really do well under pressure. So there's that. (laughs) Well, as we transition out of the season, there was a couple things that I was thinking about um, as I reflected on the Aces journey. Um, and kind of wrapping up the season. So the first thing is the historical impact of the Aces going back-to-back. Tell the people, Jocelyn, a little bit about what it means for the Aces being able to go back-to-back. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's been, what, 21 years since any team has been able to do such a thing? And this is now, now we're talking a possible, which we'll get into, dynasty that the Aces are creating, that they're building also, it's wonderful for the franchise. They brought a, a, a national championship to Las Vegas last year, and now to just do a, a, a repeat this year, it's major. They're about to have an extravagant, extra special, real rowdy, super dramatic parade on Monday at 5 o'clock if you're there. I'm so excited and also jealous for you guys because it's going to be huge. And this is wonderful for, for the one, not even just the Aces franchise and their whole entire organization, but also for women's basketball. You know, there's been record, this has been a record great breaking year all around through the regular season and in postseason. And I think we're starting to see more of like the people coming out and wanting to support, even the celebrities coming out and wanting to support this team. Yeah, we got booed, but I don't care because at the end of the day, what like what did Asia say? It's growing the game, and that's all we really want. Yeah, and going off of uh, what you were saying about attendance, to have every finals game sold out is is amazing. You know, seeing what the both the Aces and the Liberty have been able to do throughout the season in terms of selling tickets, in terms of getting people involved, in terms of drawing that media attention has just been next level. We've seen viewership go up. We've seen ticket sales go up, jersey sales going up. And so this is the start, I think, of a new wave of the WNBA and all the greatness that can come from it. But since you mentioned Dynasty, a lot of talk has already been stirring about whether we think the Aces are a Dynasty. I mean, listen, the Aces are definitely on their way to becoming a dynasty. For for my for me, I think that it needs to be a three-peat in order for that to happen. It's something about the number three for me. I mean, obviously last year they brought the championship for the first time to Las Vegas. And maybe it's becoming a domino effect because of the two-peat this year. I heard like one of their other teams is doing well as well. So 
I'm thinking that not a dynasty yet, but they're definitely on that road. I want to see them do it three times. Or at least, you know, if they skip a year and then it's another one. But they need to go back to back to back. Now, this year, we won by the skin of our teeth. I'm not going to lie about that. But at the end of the day, we did win with a lot of adversity at the tail end of the finals. You know, that final round or that final series. So, and there was an actual team that was created, let's not lie about that, to beat the Aces because they were the best ones to beat the Aces. And they couldn't get it done with the second string partially in the first string for this game. So I would have to say we're in the making to to become a dynasty. We're just not quite there yet. What do you think, Sam? I would tend to agree. I think the back-to-back is great. I think that when we think dynasty, we think longevity. Um, And so I would agree with you in saying that I would like to see more in order for it to be considered a dynasty. I don't necessarily have a number. Um, but I would say like, we just want to see more over the course of years. So if we're talking about like the Lynx dynasty, they won four rings in seven years. You know, if we're thinking NBA, we're thinking the Bulls, they won three peat. Then they had a break when Michael retired and he came back and they did a three peat again, you know? (laughs) So we're thinking like a stretch of years. So dynasty yet, I would say no, but definitely dynasty in the making. I think if they continue on the streak that they're on, by year four, year five, definitely a lot for Dynasty. And speaking of future years, let's talk a little bit about this roster because next season they're going to have some key players returning again. Asia, Kelsey, Chelsea, Jackie, Alicia Clark, and Kirsten Bell are all signed through next season. Um, So that is lining things up for that dynasty, that series of years of success. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that being said, we have two key players, I think, that, you know, we're going to be looking at in, in terms of how things will pan out in the future. One of them being uh, Candace Parker, who signed a one year deal this season. I think, a lot of people were thinking maybe this will be her last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if she comes back. I don't know that she's the type of player that would retire off of an injury. She definitely comes across as a person that wants to retire on her own terms. And so it'll be Absolutely. interesting to see if she would go one more year. She could sign a one another one-year deal and maybe do a last year with the Aces, depending on her health. The other player that we're looking at is Kia Stokes, who is now an unrestricted free agent. and what it would look like in terms of a team dynamic bringing her back, but then also salary cap wise, can they afford to now bring two time champion now (laughs) starter (laughs) Kia Stokes and what that will look like. And then if they bring back Candace, what that will look like with the two of them now being back and kind of, I guess maybe fighting for that starting position. I don't know. Will Candace bow out? Will Kia step up? I don't know. (laughs) But those are the two people for me when I was thinking of next season and future seasons and dynasty talk, um, how things will kind of shape up for the roster. I mean, I think that if either one of them were to come back or both, we were definitely looking at a three-peat. Everybody's saying intact core still there and the additions there. Yeah, I think we're we're definitely looking at a three-peat for sure, like a a strong contest for that. 
However, you know, if Kia were not to come back, but Candace were, uh, I think maybe that's not a bad situation to be in. But how many more years do you really think that Candace is going to do that? I think she loves the fact that the Aces are so, you know, connected. They have so much chemistry together. It is a family. So I'm thinking that possibly she might want to go, okay, well, if I'm going to really play this year and I'm healthy enough to play, then I'm not going to, uh, then I, I want that spot. But if I'm not there yet and I don't feel like I'm up to par, I'm not going to take that spot away from somebody. Let's also not for, uh, forget that Kia Stokes went out on an injury as well. So we don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> she definitely had a boot on. She was limping. I don't even know. She up. knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So we definitely don't know. So, I mean, I think either way, if we get them both, that's, you know, the best, the best situation, best result, best case scenario. But if we only get one of them, I think it'll be fine as, as far as salaries goes. You know, I think they'll figure that out. And I think because they, they want to be able to make this team a dynasty, then I think that they'll they'll be okay with maybe a salary cut here and there. But hey, they won, so I don't know how much they get if you know. Do you know that how much they get if they win uh, a championship? Do you know? I think they get bon. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think they get bonuses, but I don't know that they get like increases in salary. But I do know that when we're talking negotiations, something like that may come up in salary negotiations. You know, hey, I'm I'm a two time champ, like this team might be offering me a little bit more for my two-time champion expertise. You know, you want to right. bump up my salary a little bit or what are you trying to do to sweeten the pot? So I think Kia, you know, definitely has that to her advantage. Um, and especially now that she's a two-time champ that has now transitioned to the starting spot. Yeah. Um, I think she has a lot more leverage to get a lot more money. And then I think in turn, because they have that core for Asia, Kelsey, Chelsea, and Jackie, it's going to make it really interesting how the money kind of uh, fishes out. And I think even more so because they were kind of in a little bit of hot water early in the season for maybe some questionable dealings <laughs> regarding um, paying their players and enticing other players to come in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the roster unfolds. I know that, you know, we still have the core four that are going to be together. And I think that if you can keep that core four together for as long as possible, then you can add and take away pieces as you need to. So if Candace decides I'm only going to do one more year, then it's like, we'll take you for, you know, what you can give us. But we also know that at one point you're going to retire and we have to be prepared for what that will look like. Um, and I think that a smart team is preparing for their veterans to retire while they're still there. You never wait until your veteran is saying that I'm out to then, you know, scramble and try and figure out what to do, you know? Yeah. So I think, and I think that Becky is smart enough to know that. And I think that the Aces organization being that they are on their way to become a dynasty is smart enough to realize that and will already have, you know, their mindset on key people that they would want to bring in. I agree. Okay, so we'd love to think that we've had this wonderful ending to the WNBA season. It was a tight race. And I think that even if you're a New York Liberty fan, you could still find room in your heart to appreciate the greatness that has become of the WNBA this season. Absolutely. But things just cannot end off on a happy note. There always has to be a little bit of drama. Gotta be some peace. <laughs> In the tip 
And so we started the drama with three New York Liberty players not showing up to the post-game conference and each getting fined $2,000. So that was Sabrina Ionescu, John Cole Jones, and Benajah Laney. In addition... Right. In addition, the New York Liberty organization was fined $25,000. And then the next day, so the day after the game, when the New York Liberty were doing their exit post-conference interviews for the media, they had some spicy thing. Well, I would say JJ and Sabrina mostly had some interesting spicy things to say. So we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. So the first person was JJ. And for JJ's comments, I kind of have to rewind a little bit mm-hmm. because Kelsey Plum made a a statement um, after the Aces had won and they got their trophy and uh, Holly Rowe was interviewing, you know, the players after. Mm-hmm. And to summarize, um, she was basically saying that the New York Liberty are not a real team. And that, you know, the the Las Vegas Aces have been through the trenches and they've been through the fire and they were resilient. And that's the definition of a team. And the New York Liberty are basically a bunch of good players that came together in effort to take us down, you know. And although that is the sentiment of a lot of fans, it definitely rubbed JJ the wrong way. And she definitely had a few things to say about it. And one of the things was that she called... Kelsey Plum's comment classless. Mm. Now we could go back and forth all day long about all the things that the New York Liberty have done that may also be perceived as classless, but different discussion for a different day because that could go on for hours. (laughs) But so Kelsey Plum's comments about whether the New York Liberty are a legitimate team or not. Are they valid? Was she just being petty? Or was it a little bit of both? What do you think? I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I think it is valid in my opinion, as you stated, that there are fans that probably agree with Kelsey Plum. I'm one of those fans. <laughs> I do believe, and I said it at the top of the episode, that the Liberty was a team that was assembled in a way to be able to win a championship this year didn't happen that way you know the script was written perfectly and they made it to the finals they almost won a championship or at least were in the running for it it just wasn't going to happen and a lot of that was because they didn't have like Kelsey Plum said the chemistry they didn't have that dynamic with each other because I think that's what makes a really good championship team yes you can be a team and to JJ's point you don't really know what's the ins and outs and what's going on within their locker rooms or the conversations that they have on that side, on the Liberty side. And she's absolutely right about that. You can't say just because my team is not like yours or probably met with the same adversity that yours did or got it out the mud the same way doesn't mean that we're not a team. So I agree with JJ on that. But in the sense of what Kelsey said, I don't, I don't really hear a lie Maybe she shouldn't have said it on, you know, publicly, but <laughs> but it's still true. There's some truth to that. I just think that, yeah, maybe JJ might be a little butthurt because, yeah, I mean, maybe Kelsey shouldn't have said it the way she said it. But in all honesty, it's the gospel truth. That's what I have to say about it. <laughs> 
I kind of felt like I understood both players' perspectives. And I think, I mean, we talked about this off camera or off recording, but I think that it really depends on how you define a team, you know, and from, you know, if we're thinking about the basic definition of a team, it's a group of people coming together with a common goal. And for all intents and purposes, that's what the New York Liberty was. They were a group of players whether they were returning players or new signings that were coming together for a common goal to win a championship. And they knew that their number one obstacle was going to be the aces. Mm-hmm. I think that for Kelsey Plum and the uh, the Las Vegas aces, their definition of team is a little bit deeper and a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit more complex because these players have been together some as far back as the San Antonio stars, right. you know, Kelsey Plum was the number one draft pick for their final season in San Antonio before coming to Vegas. And so um, they've had a long journey to get to this point, obviously not finding a ton of success after Becky Hammond up until this new younger generation of players coming in over the last few years. And so they have developed a connection on a deeper level. And so for her, a team is a lot deeper than just players coming together for a common goal. Like, yeah, that's the ultimate goal of basketball, but her definition of team is family, you know, like going through the trenches together and building a bond that is deeper than just colleagues. Um, And so while I agree that maybe she shouldn't have said it on the air, maybe she could have kept it for Twitter. (laughs) I do think that she was saying something that a lot of people had been feeling all season long. And I think that at that moment, like the season is done. We no longer have to put all of our energy into the game. And they were just saying what they had felt like saying the entire time. Cause we saw Sid saying some stuff. We saw Asia saying some stuff, like a lot of different players had a lot, not just about the New York Liberty, but just about the season in general. They had a lot of things to say, even so much so that Jackie Young was on Twitter like, dang, I woke up this morning and all my teammates are going off on Twitter, (laughs) you know, and she hardly says anything, you know, but (laughs) it's just a testament to they really had their head down and they were focused on one thing. And now that that one thing is accomplished, now we can get to the commentary. So was it maybe appropriate for the time? Probably not, but I do see both sides of the scenario and while we don't know what's going on in the New York Liberty locker, we have heard murmurings of things that are going on in, you know, within the players of the New York Liberty. And so that may have been part of her commentary, just in hearing the murmurings of what's going on. Yeah. It makes sense that your team might not have it all together. Cause we've been hearing what's going on in the locker room, you know, versus like the Las Vegas aces, they have been quiet the entire season about everything, you know, Raquana Williams doesn't even start the season, you know, has an injury. They kept it quiet. She gets arrested, kept it quiet. Candace Parker gets injured, kept it quiet. Dierka Hamby kept it quiet. Problems with, you know, potential like dealings with uh, contracts and stuff, kept it quiet. Like they have kept it quiet the entire season, mm-hmm. you know? And so now they felt like this was their time where they were going to say everything, but probably wasn't the most appropriate time. And, I, I don't know if there is a most appropriate time because regardless of where you say it, there's going to be heat that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. But next time, maybe don't say it on ESPN. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. But I think in, in even just in a little bit of Kelsey's defense, there's been a lot of murmurs that they've heard through the grapevine through like actual vindicated, you know, sports media channels 
about them, you know, about the aces. And like you said, Sam, they kept it quiet. Becky Hammond even said in the post-game press conference after they won the uh, the finals was, you know, that these women are stand up because they, they keep it all in. They've, they've definitely kept their head down and they stayed focused and they still had fun. And this is a strong group. She's pro- she said this is one of the best groups she's ever coached. And that's why, because they love each other. They care about each other on a different level and they have each other's backs and they also understand what the goal is. So honestly, that's what a great team is. That's how great teams make it to the end. They figure out something and they figure out how it works for them. And the Liberty just didn't do that. So at the end of the day, sorry, JJ, but it sounds like you're a little butthurt and sounds like you're a little bitter. Also, why the hell didn't you show up to the game for the interviews? Just want to know, still want to know. Also want to know with, uh, about that with Lainey. Sabrina somewhat so uh, kind of has an excuse because, again, she was puking in the fourth quarter. So, you know, you could just kind of think, oh, maybe she's just not feeling well. But JJ and uh, Lethal Laney, what's going on? What's up? So that also is, also gives me cause to think, is something wrong over there? Were you not happy because JJ was pouting damn near the whole damn game, as she normally does? But it wasn't giving, like, I love this team. We're all happy. First of all, again, going back to Sabrina and the puking, because I will never let that go. Because y'all talk, calling her baby goat and all this stuff like that, but she can't handle the pressure. She literally cannot handle the pressure. She's puking in four quarters of a finals game, a potential finals game of them, like, you know, not winning. And that's exactly what happened. So I just want to say that the the Aces are the better team, period. And they've shown that even in their second string, even with all the adversity, they're the better team. So JJ being upset about that, I get, but also it's kind of like, take that shit on the chin because if you were on the other side, I don't think you would care. Yeah, well, speaking of Sabrina, she also had some uh, interesting comments, not so much about the Aces, but um, she made... um, a few comments about her health first being that she missed the post-game press conference because she wasn't feeling well, which I found interesting because she puked and then immediately went back in the game. (laughs) Wasn't too sure about that. But then also she mentioned that she had a hip injury, which I also found very interesting in the timing in which she mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Um, because she mentioned it once again at the exit interviews the next day, having missed the post-game press conference. And she said that she injured it in game four of the Connecticut series that they had. Now, I understand like not wanting to say that in press because you don't want to give your enemy, so to speak, any additional ammunition. And then they start hip checking you because you just said you had a hip injury. Mm-hmm. I completely get that. But on the other side, she mentioned it in the the post game. I mean, well, the exit interviews because she missed the post game, yeah. but the exit interviews for the season, and but then followed it with, "Oh, but this is not an excuse." But I got injured, and there was a point where I couldn't even walk, and I had to get like injections in my hips so that I was able to play. And I just kind of felt like you're saying no excuse, but you're making an excuse for why you didn't play well, as opposed to just saying, you know what, my body's not 100%. And because of that, I didn't play 100%, period. Like, I got this going on, I got that going on. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter because I wasn't able to be there the way that I needed to be there or the way that my team needed to be there, you know? And someone even mentioned to me um, 
well, the media was the one asking her, but how would the media know unless she mentioned it? Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought that that was all kind of weird. I thought that the way that they missed the press conference, but then came out the next day and all of a sudden we're talking all big and bad. Bla- I just thought the whole thing was really weird. And it brought into discussion this bigger conversation of should we, should players be required to do post game pressers if they lose? Especially big games like this, like the the me, the CBA says that you know you have to have two players available to do the presser, and you know for a final series like this, we like to have all the players available, like at least the starting five, you know, available for post game conferences. And the fact that three of them didn't show up was very disappointing. But it brought to light the bigger issue, like if you're losing such a gut wrenching game, like the way that they did by one point yeah. in their home court. Should they be required to then speak to the media? Let me know. Well, I mean, it's obviously hard and tough. And I always knew that that was, I always felt like that was a tough thing for any player to do. Like, I mean, just speaking from my own experience, whenever we would lose, which we did, (laughs) every time we would get to the finals, the championship, we would lose. I mean, if I had to speak afterward, I would be broken up. But at the end of the day, if I was, if I won, I would definitely like to talk to the, to the people and express. So, you know what I mean? Like there's going to be a loser and it sucks, but it's just the facts. So if this is part of, you know, your CBA, yeah, I mean, we all know that there's things that they definitely need to change to change this. I don't, I'm not too sure they should, because at the end of every game, you know, there's gotta be a winner or a loser. There had, you know, win, lose or draw, you have to talk to some. You have to talk. You need to talk and give your side. So, I mean, I understand them being filled with emotions, but then say that. Say that in the press conference. You don't got to give them too much. You could just say, listen, you know, emotions are still reeling. Emotions are still really high. Um, you know, it just happened. It's really fresh. Probably got to ask me that question later on, you know. So next question. You know, just give it to them straight. You can decide. You can control you know, how you answer the questions. You can't control which questions you get asked, but you can control how you answer them or decide not to answer them. You could just be like, next question. And that really be it. It's going to show you're bitter, but it's also going to show like you're just not really ready and emotionally prepared to be, to do, you know, to give the interview. And that's okay. Wow, crazy stuff going on outside. Anyway, um, but yeah, like I just think that that's the, that's the situation. Like if, you know, you're you're going to play, and if you won, you would have definitely been up there, champagne, squirting all over the place, just like the Aces were. And just like they were for the champion, um, for the Commissioner's Cup when they beat the Aces on their court. So, you know, it's kind of like redemption. And at the end of the day, did anybody not show up to that presser? At, I mean, the uh, post-game press conference? No. So I, I do think it's kind of like, it, it kind of falls under the poor sportsmanship to me. Yeah, I have to agree. I definitely feel like, like you said, there's winners and losers. And I feel like if we're going to talk about players' praises or team praises, you have to be willing to say, you know what, I didn't play my best and we lost, you know, period. I do think that maybe they need to do something about all of these questions that are being asked in the pressers. Like maybe they need to screen them or something because some of them are just wildly inappropriate. 
Um, and I know it, the media is their job to get as much information as possible, but some of them are just wildly inappropriate and bordering on, like, you know, they're not going to answer that question. So why, like, it really bothered me when right after game three, like Chelsea Gray got injured. Yep. Four minutes left in the game, and Chelsea Gray is like hobbling off to the, to the locker room to get checked out. And they're in the post game presser, literally four game minutes after she got injured, and they're talking about, well, what's the likelihood she's going to play for game four? We don't even know what's wrong with her. Yeah, you know. So those types of situations, it's like this is your one opportunity. If you're a journalist, if you are a, a writer, whatever. This is your one opportunity to ask them any question you want related to basketball. And that's the type of questioning you decide to ask. Like, I feel like if you're going to require these players to sit there, win or lose, you know, if you're going to require these players to sit here, there needs to be some sort of process by which the questions get screened. Screening, yeah. Maybe they need less questions. Like, if I lost the, the championship game, I don't want to sit there for 30 minutes Ask, and you're asking me questions about next season. Right. Like, I'm trying to get through moment by moment because I'm still trying to cope with the fact that I lost. Like, Stewie has never lost a championship game in her entire career. This is her first time ever losing a championship game. And she showed up. Yeah. But when she showed up, she looked completely just, like, dumbfounded. Yeah. Like, this is all new territory for me. And rightfully so. But then you expect her to sit there for 30 minutes is just not reasonable. Because at a certain point, you just give the same answers. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? Like, I'm not thinking about next year. I'm thinking about right now. I'm thinking about not crying. <laughs> So that's kind of where my sentiment was like, if we're yeah. going to require these players to sit through this torturous process, there needs to be some <laughs> sort of screening process or some sort of something that makes it a little bit easier and tolerable to get through the situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there. I don't know how they would do it, how they could do it. Maybe there's like somebody in PR on the both organization sides, like both team sides that kind of goes through the questions. Um, because I know that these, uh, the sports uh, journalists have to have their questions together, um, you know, before the, the they press should put it in a bingo even. wheel. <laughs> what happened? I said they it's should put it in a bingo wheel. Oh, oh, yeah, they they should put it in the bingo wheel. Just have it going around and around <laughs> to see <laughs> which ones they pick. But, you know, even in the room, they kind of go, okay, we're going here, oh, we're going here. They should, you know, they already have their, their questions queued up because I don't think they know when they're going to, they're going to be called. They just hope they're hoping that they do get called and they get to ask the question that they want. But like you said, if they, if you're getting this chance, make sure it's a good question, a question that the people want to know that's going to get you the right answer. Like you already knew, okay, she just, it just happened that, that Kelsey, uh, Chelsea, Plum, uh, God, Chelsea, Plum, Chelsea Gray got hurt. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just kind of like, what? just ask a better question, man. Just ask a better question. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of next season, I know the players might not want to talk about next season because their season just ended. But we are already thinking about next season because we are already pumped. We never want the WBA to end. So to wrap up this episode, one final question would be what team 
other than the New York Liberty, do you think are one to two moves away from being a serious contender to beat the Aces? Uh, Dallas Wings, hand down, hands down. I think they were starting to figure it out closer to the end of the season, especially in that in the finals, um, in the playoffs that they that was what was their matchup? Their matchup was um, was it Connecticut? Atlanta and then Vegas. No, Atlanta and then Vegas. So I thought they they gave Vegas a good a good try, and then Atlanta they you know they they busted through there. So I think that is going to be the Dallas Wings for me. Uh, it seems like they kind of figured out what's working for them. They just need a little bit longer to play with everybody. Everybody healthy at the same time, starting off the season, ending the season. And I think that next year, they're definitely going to be a force to uh, be reckoned with. So I would say Dallas Wings for me. I'm going to go ahead and say Connecticut Sun. I think that they are one or two moves away from being and they were a serious contender. I mean, they were you're not the number 3 seed for nothing. Um I think that they have a great bench. I think that they have an amazing coaching staff. I would like to see them add a true point guard. Um you know, because they're working with a lineup that has Natisha Heidemann at the point. I don't necessarily like that too much. I would love to see them add a early 30s veteran true point guard to the mix to really bring that leadership um, and kind of round the team out. But I, if I'm thinking starting five, I'm thinking Brianna Jones, uh, Dewana Bonner, A.T., Tiffany Hayes, and that one veteran point guard, I think that that might seal the deal for Connecticut. And we're also talking about maximizing the amount of time that Dewana Bonner has to play. I know I've always said it over and over again. I don't like when they mention people's ages, but in this instance, she is on the back end of her career and we want to maximize the amount of time that we have left with Dewana Bonner. We don't want her to come to Connecticut and not get anything out of it. And so if I'm thinking that I'm thinking that they need maybe just one more veteran leader in there. That is a true point guard that doesn't mind passing. That doesn't mind facilitating. We've already got so many scores on that team. I think that if they could get that, especially when you have an assistant coach like Breon January out there in Connecticut, if you could get one more point guard, that can really bring it home. I think you've got a solid team there that has a strong shot of even beating the New York Liberty. You know, the New York Liberty, their roster, you know, they have some decisions to make because they signed some big players, you know, and a lot of them took pay cuts. And so a lot of them now are uh, unrestricted free agents. The GM already said that uh, Brianna Stewart is going to be court. We don't know about the rest of them. So it'll be interesting to see how that roster shakes out with money. And um, I'm excited to see how all of that pans out. Moving forward, we are excited to continue the podcast. The podcast is not going to stop just because WNBA has. We've got a lot more good information for you. Lots of great conversations. But until we get things going again in two weeks, Jocelyn, where can they find us on social media? Well, duh. I mean, come on. Y'all should know this by now. My sophisticated spectators, come on down. Come on down to IG, beyond the bleachers underscore. You can find us there. Connect with us. Talk game with us. Be like, what's going on? We want to hear from y'all. So find us there on IG at beyond the bleachers underscore.
So much more basketball to talk about and so many more IG lives. We have been having so much fun on Instagram Live. So come join us. We're going to keep it going through the NCAA season. We look forward to seeing you. Jocelyn, it is great as always talking to you. I'm excited to close out the WNBA season, but get college basketball rolling. So in the meantime, great episode, and I'll catch you in the next one. Catch you on the flip side.